שלום דן ברוטמן. היי רון דקל. We are on the second episode of five questions about Israel and this time Dan we are gonna touch some hardcore issues and we're going to be discussing something that I personally am facing as the CEO of a Jewish Federation in Canada an issue that's dividing our community. And I touch it as an emissary, the Shaliach of the Jewish agency all over the country since November the 1st, the elections in Israel. So why don't we dive in? Today's topic is when, if ever, should Canadian communal organizations voice public criticism of Israel? Yaron, can you tell us a bit about what's happened over the past 48 hours? We're recording this on July 26th. Yeah, for sure. Um, the last 48 hours was, uh, at the time, I think, was a milestone in, in Israel's uh, democracy and obviously in the uh, relationship in the parliament between the coalition and opposition. When the parliament and the coalition under Mr. Netanyahu uh, finished the legislation of the uh, one of the first parts of the uh, uh, judicial reform or judicial re- revolution, it depends where you are standing on that issue. And this is the accepting the uh, reasonableness clause. And the reasonableness clause says that the Supreme Court will not be able to use the question or the parameter of reasonableness, When it comes to uh, override decisions of the government on mainly nominations either by ministers or nominations of ministers it diminishes the power of the Supreme Court the debate in Israel in the last couple of months was mainly on the power of the Supreme Court when the government said the power of the Supreme Court has grown immensely in the last 20-25 years and And the opposition said that the the real me the, the real reason for that is trying to uh, get a, a revolution in the uh, reg- and a kind of a regime change uh, in Israel the last vote uh, came after weeks of uh, debate very emotional debate we saw the rallies in all over Israel of protesters against the uh, the uh, government pr- program and And the last call out of three calls in the parliament was 64 uh, members of the uh, coalition when there was no one sitting at the opposition seats. They decided to walk away from the parliament to show that this um, reform slash program uh, was voted with no opposition. Now, there are already a few implications to this uh, first step of, of the program. Israel is polarized on the on the society and divided on the society level but there are oblig- um, um, implication on the political uh, level obviously the opposition the op- and the coalition on the economical uh, situation of of Israel and also on the military side when lots of uh, uh, reservist soldiers thousands of them already declared that they will not come to serve the once this legislation is passes the prime minister gave mr Netanyahu gave his speech on the night of the uh, of the call and he promised uh, he blamed the opposition of not getting uh, ready for any compromise but he also said that the next few months will be a time 
to try to get in touch with the opposition. The parliament will be in a recess of a couple of months after the Jewish holidays in, in October, and it might give some time uh, for a dialogue. But at the moment, as I said before, Israel is divided, is polarized, and the controversy gets into flames that we haven't seen for decades in, in the state of uh, Israel. That's in a nutshell what we had in the last few days uh, over there in Jerusalem and all over the country. We have three guests joining us today from different parts of the country. Our first guest is Rabbi Harry Brechner. He's the spiritual leader of Congregation Emmanuel in Victoria, British Columbia on Vancouver Island. We have Limor Friedman, who is a journalist with over 20 years experience working in the Israeli news industry. She moved with her family to Vancouver 16 years ago and continues to work for various Israeli media outlets covering stories from Canada. And we have Shai DeLuca, an Israeli-Canadian designer, TV and media personality based in Toronto. So welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having the time, uh, taking the time for that. And I'm, I wonder, uh, first of all, are you uh, involved in any uh, Jewish communal organization? And if so, in, in which one, Rabbi Brechner? Obviously, I, I'm, I'm a rabbi of a congregation, Emmanuel, so I'm deeply involved with most of the Jewish community in Victoria. I'm also a member of a group called Rabbis Without Borders, um, as well as which is primarily Rabbis for Human Rights, which is a North American rabbinic organization. Um, those are the main Jewish organizations I'm a part of. Limor? Um, I think I'm, in, I'm involved in based on specific activities, so different organizations mm-hmm. uh, related to if there is a fundraising, if there is any activity that has been done uh, related to Israel, then I will be involved specifically to the activity, but not as part of a, an organization. And Shai? Uh, I, like Limo, am uh, you know, called upon to participate in different organizations. I'm not connected to any one specific organization, but I, you know, I'm a funded for different news organizations sometimes. Sometimes I do a fundraising. Sometimes I do uh, you know, a hosting for different events for different Jewish organizations. But I'm very involved in the community. What's your reaction to the unfolding events in Israel? Let's start with you, Rabbi Brechner. I think uh, a little bit of shock. I think I've been dealing with a little bit of shock and trying to maintain hope for a while. Um, you know, for someone who's lived uh, over a decade of my life in Israel, throughout the 80s, returning in, in the 90s, um, my family was, my kids were born in Israel. Some of the members of the government, right, ministers of the government are people that I never would have imagined having any authority. Right. I, I can think back to when Mayor Kahana tried to be a member of Knesset. Right. And seeing that shift in terms of what's moderate politics versus things that are now accepted within Israel. I, I think the level of of fear um, and, and sort of despair has just been really uh, it's been it's been hard. It's been hard to hard to witness. You know, someone one of my congregants just sent me photos from various points in in the demonstrations and just looking at them and thinking about the level of anger and violence towards one another right that was happening from the police towards israeli citizens was just really difficult to watch and i and i gotta say it's always harder in chutzvah it's always harder in diaspora to deal with things that are happening in israel no matter what it is especially when it's uh when it's difficult be more be more not as shocked 
but um, I'm mainly concerned, probably just like you, uh, Rabbi Hari. And I think, uh, you know, I've been living in Israel most of my life. I'm only in Canada for the last 16 years. And we have seen this tension built up between the, the far right and the, the center and the left being built up in the last few decades. It was just a question, when is, is it going to explode and how is it going to explode? And I think this is the, um, we could not predict the, the, situa- the current situation and those events and, um, and the fight back from grassroots people that are not uh, political, po- politically um, involved. So I think this is to me is, is amazing to, to view and to be part of and to be concerned by. And shy. Uh, you know, I think for me, over my entire lifespan, I spent more of my life in Israel than I have here. And most of the years that I spent were under a not a similar government, but under the same prime minister. Um, I wasn't, when I saw this current government come together, am I surprised that this current government did what it did? No. Um, am I surprised by the reaction? Yes, but in a positive way, much like Limo said, I am, I'm emboldened and I am encouraged by what I see happening on the grassroots level and, you know, in the streets and, and, and seeing the people rise up against what is happening. And really that for me is giving me the, um, you know, the, the, the push forward that, you know, so many of us need. I'd like to dive into the uh, question, which is the headline of or the frame of, of this uh, episode in our uh, CJN podcast, and ask you, uh, and, and I appreciate your honesty, uh, uh, obviously, should Jewish communal organizations publicly criticize Israel when they disagree with the uh, Israeli government policy or Israeli government actions? Rabbi Hari. Yeah, so Yaron, when I when I saw the title, I kind of laughed, to be honest. It feels like it's a question that belonged in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. I feel like the relationship between North American Jewry, North American Jewish organizations and Israel has really changed. It's become much more vocal, partially because what happens in Israel affects Jews in the diaspora in pretty serious ways. I remember being a kid um, you know, just out of just out of the army, being back in the States, talking to a friend's dad, who was a real right wing kind of <laughs> orthodox guy about the territories. And I said, you know, your tush isn't on the line. You don't have what to say. Right. You should hold hold your peace. But I think those days are over. Uh, I think that you're seeing, you know, the reform movement made a, a very big statement. The conservative movement made a very big statement about the whole sense of judicial change, judicial revolution. I, I, I just don't know that that is gonna come back. We can't put that back in the box. I think it's out. I think it's time that we had real honest dialogue. And if Any I more? can just add to that, uh, sorry, Rabbi Harry, and this is gonna be uh, an addition to the question that you're all gonna be responding to. Do you feel that Canadian Jewish organizations have been adequately vocal uh, during this time? That's a hard question, right? I think it depends on what, what side and where you stand, right? I think the different folks with, you know, across the political spectrum are going to have a different answer. Um, my, my sense is that it hasn't been enough of a voice. 
Um, I know that when I write things and, and I write as, you know, as a Canadian Israeli, um, it's been fascinating the kind of responses that I get because I feel like people aren't giving, they're not articulating some of the things that needs to, some of the things that need to be said. So what do you do, what would you expect the uh, community to speak up and say what? I think that two things need to happen. One is that I think that most of the communities are afraid to come together to even talk about Israel. Um, I feel like even having an intra-family dialogue is something that's become very fraught, right? There's a sense of needing to have some kind of unity or peace. And even, and if I can't talk about it in, in Victoria, which is so far removed from Tel Aviv, then how are we going to talk about it in Tel Aviv, right? I think we need to be able to model um, honest and real dialogue um, and be able to kind of get to a place of understanding through compassion what others are going through and how they get to the places that they are politically. I'm really happy to hear uh, that you think it's uh, uh, non-criticism belongs to the 90s because in Vancouver, we have a uh, weekly, almost weekly demonstrations that they are uh, by the art galleries and the Israeli community is usually very disappointed that we can hardly hear, hear any of the um, the Jewish organizations in Canada, and there is probably some somewhat a big difference between U.S. Jewish organizations that tend to be more critical, more vocal, as you said, and the and the Canadians ones, which we hardly hear. So, if you look at a couple of examples that we've had lately, and I do believe that you know we all been defensive right away when we hear external criticism, right? If somebody from outside will come and say something about Israel, right away we are all, you know, going to be um, very defensive and we are we're going to defend Israel, obviously. But I do believe that criticism is, is an indicator for a healthy society, especially now, because if you look at those, uh, those countries, it doesn't allow criticism or internal criticism. They, we don't believe them. You don't believe what China says. You don't believe what North Korea says. Iranians, we don't want to be part of this world. So criticism is a very healthy thing. Although, and, and if you look at the late, you know, latest events, for example, there was an, uh, an open letter from Canadians. Uh, one of the uh, lawyers and, and judges, one of them was uh, Irving Kotler, the former you know, former um, uh, justice minister in Canada. That he's, a, he's a huge advocate for Israel, but he signed on a letter calling the uh, Israeli government to withdraw from the uh, notwithstanding clause, you know, what we call Piscata et Gabrut. And, and this was a very healthy sign that Israel is still a democracy and still accept criticism. And those organizations, I think, not only that it's... Um, it's essential for them to um, uh, to to uh, be clear with the with the criticism towards Israel, but I think also they have some kind of accountable towards their own people here. I mean, people that goes to your synagogue, they want to know what's your opinion. You cannot be silent. They want to choose. They want to make sure that they are choosing the right one. And this is a conversation. I think this is a conversation that has to be done. Bye. You know, I think um, criticism is okay. I think, you know, we need to discuss the things that we need to discuss. I think in my work and my kind of like dealings with the community, oftentimes I will come uh, into contact with people who 
vehemently believe that as a Jewish community who, not Israelis outside in the diaspora, but as a Jewish community in the diaspora, people very much believe that they should have a say about the construct of what is happening in Israel. So while I agree that as a Jewish people around the world, Israel is, you know, is, is the Jewish homeland, it's the homeland of everybody, and you know, we want what is best for our homeland, I think that sometimes it crosses over into, but I think I should be able to have a say in how things happen. And that's where I think that I sometimes have a challenge with people. And I say to people, listen, at the end of the day, you can voice your opinion and you should be able to voice your opinion. And that's a good thing. But you, your voice isn't an equal voice to somebody who's sitting on the front line there. And that oftentimes is, is, is hit back hard at me and people, you know, but I'm Jewish, but Yes, all of that I understand, and and you know I understand that this is such an emotional time for a lot of people. I think that criticism is okay, but I think that people have to understand that that criticism is not limitless. You can criticize as much as you want, but the act or the the effects of what that criticism can do are limited in Israel. So we, we have two we have two issues at play, I think. One is, you know, mm-hmm. the Yiddish idea of the Shanda from the Goyim, right? You don't want to embarrass yourself in front of the non-Jews, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. So in some ways, North American Jews are called to defend Israel. And, and I find that the majority, at least of my congregants and many of the folk I interact with, feel like Israel's taken a road that they don't know how to defend. And not only that, but I think that over the course of the last, five to seven years, I feel like different parts of liberal Judaism feel like they've been thrown under the bus by the Israeli mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. Right? And in terms of decisions and understandings that came and then never never became real, right? There was no hakshama to decisions and understandings that we all held. So I think that two things I wanna see happen. One is that I've been really working hard on is to make sure that my congregants know that there are organizations and people in Israel who feel the same way and that there are places where you can take your values and connect. Mm-hmm. It's not a time to disconnect. Right. Just because you're critical of what's happening, it's the time actually to turn up the volume of connection and feel like you can support and know that there are people on the, on the streets feeling and doing the things that you hope to do as well. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I agree with you, Rabbi. I know that, you know, I had actually posted the other day, there was a link for people to donate to the protesters. They were, you know, it was before the Jerusalem march from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they were asking, they were asking people for, for money, you know, for food and water and whatnot, because it, for those who, you know, haven't been watching the weather back home, it is extremely hot. If it's hot in here in Toronto, it's like, 40 something and people were walking from Tel Aviv to uh, to Jerusalem and it was hot and I had posted this link because they were asking for donations and I got backlash from within the community saying you know how are you asking people here to donate for something that's happening over there and I said listen this is a way to do it this is a way to connect to people who have same values there that you have here in a way that you feel as though you're giving back the same way that people give to jnf the same way that people give to you know whatever organization they donate to you're donating to an israeli organization that is something that kind of coincides with your belief system so i definitely think there are ways to do it and i agree with you i think that that that's that's a that's a great point lee moore can i ask you um 
two things that are related to what we've been discussing. The first thing is some people say, well, we don't live in Israel, so should we be criticizing it? We're not paying taxes there. We're not dealing with the daily reality. And then there are other people related to what Rabbi Harry said that say um, that criticizing Israel publicly within the Jewish community could actually be used against us. It could be used by the BDS movement. It could be used as a tool to harm Israel. So if you could also incorporate those questions into your thoughts, that would be great. I think to start with the second question, if you are being criticized, you as an organization also have to be responsible and be very evident when you when you criticize Israel. So once you are being very evident and responsible, this is a healthy um, discussion. And yes, you know what? It can be used by BDS, whether you want it or not, and whether you say something good, it also can be used. So you cannot consider the, the external reaction as much, but you can be, you know, and, and it could be even opposite, uh, I don't know, maybe a positive even reaction, hardly ever happened, but who knows. And the second thing is, you did ask about, um, I don't live in Israel, why should I? Or well, it's not my, or you may be from a position of an Israeli, they will say, you know, you're not part of, uh, you're, you, you don't live here, you don't get the, the situation. We don't want you to be involved. You don't have a right to come and vote. So I have a, a very simple personal and answer also, to this. Yes. They also say you don't serve in the army and you don't risk your life, so stay away. This is also things we hear. Yeah. So first of all, there is a very big definition here between Israelis in the diaspora and Jewish in the diaspora. These are totally, in a way, different communities. And Shai and I probably belong to the same one. We are, you know, you can take us out of Israel, but you could not take Israel out of us. We are yes. Israeli. We are foreigner. Wherever we go, we are Israeli, Israelis. And um, so I'm still a citizen. And by the law, I have to register my kids as citizens in Israel because they are uh, uh, kids of an Israeli citizen. And my daughter, for example, who is 18 right now, just two years ago received her uh, subpoena to come to come and, and join the army. So, and I do know, and I do have friends that their kids decided to go. And I have a friend who lives here and both her kids went to serve the army, despite the fact that parents are not Israelis uh, anymore. So that's, that's kind of like the technical uh, okay. part of it. But um, if we go to the philosophy questions really, I do believe that we are still Israelis, despite the fact, if you're asking an Australian or an Irish guy somewhere in Canada, how do they feel? They are Irish, they are Australians. It's just very, in Israel, it's so charged, this question. We've been called, you know, we've been called Yodim, we've been called so many bad uh, terms. But we are still Israelis, and I think last decade is slightly different, and we can still be involved if we want to. And you mm -hmm. never know who's going to come back. I, I have friends that the kids came back, did Aliyah the last two years. So you do want to kind of just, you know, discard them and put them aside and, and look at them as uh, not part of. But what about Canadian Jews who have never lived in mm -hmm. Israel and are not citizens? Do they have the right to criticize Israel? Rabbi Hari. Yeah, I mean, I think that what I was saying earlier is that what happens in Israel affects Jews in Canada. And, and you, can't, you can't have it both ways. 
You also can't have this idea of, you know, I would say multiple times a week, I get some Jewish organization that wants me to send my kids from like the youth of my synagogue from like 15 to 25 out on some kind of Hasbara, almost propaganda mission to, to talk about Israel, right? You can't have it both ways, right? You can't have, I think what the, what the crux comes down to is where does the discussion and the dialogue and the critique turn destructive, right? I think it's the same thing that I say to non-Jewish Canadians, right? I usually, I remember being asked to a prayer breakfast from a, an evangelical Christian group. And uh, my whole response was, I want them to be pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian. That way they could be pro-peace and they can actually speak honestly to both sides. They never invited me back because that's not what they wanted to hear. But I think that's really important. And I think it's important from a, from a Jewish perspective too. I think it's only when you get to that place where you question our right as, as, as people to have a homeland, to have you know, Jewish sense of uh, independence. Um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're your own? Uh, self-determination. Self-determination, thank you. That, that, that I think is like just the bottom line. I think anything, anything that doesn't go there, I think is open for discussion and critique. Right. Listen, I think anything we say, it doesn't matter what we say, is always can always be used as a weapon. I've had sound bites of things that I've said that have absolutely no context taken out of things that I've said and they've been used as a weapon. So in today's age, you know, when everything is digital and you can kind of, you know, anything you say can be used as a weapon. Um, do I think it can happen? Yes. Do I think that that's a reason to not criticize? No. I, I mean, I don't think that that's a reason not to criticize what's happening. I think that that's that's. Uh, you know, that's that's almost um, counterproductive. I mean, if we're so worried about something that we say being weaponized against us not to be able to speak up, I mean, that can go across any type of, uh, you know, platform. We, you know, th that's almost like saying, you know, abused people don't say anything because, you know, might come back to bite you. Why would you, you know, you don't do that. You have to speak out when you see things happening. That's just the way it needs to be. Um, you know, can it be used? Yes. Um, but listen, I am absolutely guilty of, and I, I, I admit it all the time, of I have Canadians who will come to me and, and, you know, get into these heated debates about things that are happening in Israel. And sometimes I just say to them, listen, I have to take myself out of this because I can't have this discussion with you. You and I just don't have this. We, we're not sitting on the same ground in, in the sense that in, in no way do I think we're not equal, but at the end of the day, you know, when I pay my Canadian taxes, I, there's another tax that I pay that you don't. When I pay my mm -hmm. municipal taxes, when I do, it's just, a, it's different. So like Limo was saying, it just sits a little differently with me. And sometimes yeah. I just have to take myself out of it and say, I'm not doing this. I had a discussion with somebody yesterday who for hours would not leave me on Instagram and just kept going back and back and asking the same questions. And I just keep repeating, I'm sorry, I'm uh, not doing this with you. I'm not having this discussion with you because I just couldn't do it. I, I knew where it was going to go and I had to take myself out of it. So I think we have to be uh, smart. I think, you know, sometimes we need to take ourselves out of it. And I'd like to take it one, one step uh, forward and ask uh, the three of you, who does it risk alienating in the Canadian Jewish community when, an organization criticize or refrains from criticizing Israel, Limor. 
there is always uh, winners and losers in a way, mm-hmm. but this is a lot of, there is a lot of gray and that's what you want to capture eventually at the end of the day, all the gray colors between the, the extremists. And I think eventually um, putting your opinion out there, especially if it's a criticism, it, it's so healthy and, and then you gain credibility from so many people and they can make decisions. They can say, okay, I'm I'm with you. Or you know what, you open it me to discussion. And I believe every, you know, every criticism or every um, uh, opposing opinion is actually an opportunity for for a great explanation, right? If my kids are coming back from school and they say there is a Palestinian day and it's been scheduled for November 29, you know, we all my bells ringing right away, it's November 29, <laughs> but they didn't know. So this is an, an opportunity to explain. And when somebody comes to you and say, um, you know, Israel should withdraw from Gaza and ask you, okay, how, how many Jewish currently living in Gaza? It takes you to a totally different discussion and then eventually open discussion. Just It's just healthy and I don't think it make anybody, um, you know, you'll always have the extreme and they will say, listen, I don't want to be in your synagogue anymore because this is your opinion, but somebody else will. Rabbi Hari? Yeah, it's, it's a, I think coming from a congregational place, it's a little bit different. There's an idea that the sanctuary should be a sanctuary and a place of, mm. of peace and renewal for everyone. Um, you know, I, on one level, I, you know, I live, you know, either in Lotus land or the left coast, but, you know, here on the West coast, I think that most of my congregants share a kind of a groove in terms of politics. I know that my American colleagues have a really difficult time um, speaking almost about anything because of how, how the vitriol and the level of division is so mm-hmm. deep in some congregations. Um, I think it's important from the point of view of being rabbi that if I'm, you know, on the bima and I'm teaching, that I'm teaching Torah, right? I'm not a pundit. I'm not a, pol- I'm not a politician. You know, I've got a background in, in Yadut, right? I don't have a background in political science. Um, but I think that where the sense of morals and ethics cross, right? When it comes to women's rights, when it comes to LGBTQ rights, when it comes to a, a sense of democracy as we understand it as Canadians, I think that there's places to speak. Um, I think there's also places that I think where we don't need to have, it doesn't have to constantly be in our face in Jewish venues, right? I think that Jewish venues can have other means of ways to discuss things that are not just always about the conflict, not always about what's going on in Israel. But at the same time, I think where else are going? Where else are Canadian Jews going to get educated, right? I think if you're trying to get educated from the mainstream media, the mainstream media doesn't treat us <clears throat> always in the way that I hoped they would. And I think that what's happened over the last five years in terms of Israeli media is that it's so varied and there's so many different media outlets with a really mm-hmm. clear agenda that almost moves into propaganda that you need to be careful. So I really would hope that I could be kind of a, a curator um, when people come and ask me. I want to ask you, Rabbi, if you, if you don't mind, because uh, because you are based in Victoria, I kind of I remember if you remember 2008, there was a flotilla from Cyprus Ooh. to Gaza to bring supplies to Gaza. I, I remember covering it as a journalist, and the biggest group 
that uh, fundraising for this flotilla came from Jewish uh, community in Victoria, which is where you are. I don't know if you've been in this position. Yeah, so, but so that's there a was, huge thing for your community there. It, it is and it, it is and it isn't. I think that we found ways to really be able to communicate. I know that there was one man from Victoria who was on the flotilla who tried to create a narrative of himself as hero and it turned out that everybody knew that he was cowering under the deck and never left the boat, right? And, you know, <laughs> let's let's be real. Yeah, but the so money was the, there and it came from uh, part, partly from the Jewish community in Victoria. I, I think that the Jewish community in Victoria has tended to become a little less militant. Um, I think that there are more, uh, there's been more mitigating circumstances. I think you found, you know, you find that there's... Um, the the super the super left almost fascist left in terms of Israel politic has really calmed down um, and uh, and they've also gotten older I think that the younger generation doesn't have that same uh, support for things that are really I would say anti-Zionist more than anything else yeah that's interesting because I mean you know here we've got we've got a deep connection with Habonim Dol right I mean I think that most of Vancouver Island wow. is very much connected with. Yeah, my um, kids are going to the camp there. Yeah, I know. Excellent. All right. If uh, we're going to be wrapping up, but as a last question, we've been discussing should Canadian Jewish organizations be vocal when criticizing Israel? But what about the reverse? So, should do Israelis or the Israeli government have the right to criticize us in the diaspora? Who wants to start? You are all silent. Loaded question. It's a loaded question. And, and, it, and it could, be, it, I mean, they could criticize, uh, again, our levels of assimilation, our lack of Jewish education. When they come out with statements criticizing us, they don't live in the diaspora. They're not dealing with the challenges that we face in the diaspora. Do they have that right? I think, I think there's already an inherent, you know, there's a stream of thought that is always there, which is always saying that you're not complete as as a jew unless you're part of the israeli collective the you know the the new movement the experiment what's happening in the jewish world is really in israel and it's almost like you're you're not you're not at the center of it and and you're you're lacking i think is a certain message that always comes from israel um and uh i guess if there was crit criticism i would want to know from whom right because you know, Israel is so all over the map. And as we as we see different Israeli organizations in different places doing all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, I, I, it, would be, it would be fascinating to me. I think that there's been levels of critique. You see it with people like Women of the Wall, um, mm -hmm. what they go through when they, when they try to have Rosh Chodesh services at the Kotel. Um, I, I think it's, it's there on some level. It'd be interesting to see when it gets more pinpointed. I'm Sure, it may happen. Yeah, I, I think as an Israeli Canadian, the moment you left Israel with your luggages, you already carry a big bag of guilt on your back, mm -hmm. kind of. So this is part of it. And as long as we keep it open conversation, it's it's healthy and it's a good thing and it's okay to me. I'd like to thank the three the three of you for taking the time and participate in our uh, podcast. Rabbi Harry Brechner from Victoria, British Columbia, Limor Friedman, a journalist 
from uh, Vancouver and Shai DeLuca, Israeli-Canadian designer, TV media, uh, personally based in Toronto. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you very much for participating in our podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. I think it was a very uh, interesting uh, discussion with the three guests, Dan. What is your opinion as a CEO of Windsor Federation, as a leader in this country, towards this question we were dealing with the, on this uh, second episode? Well, I think I look at it through two different lenses. I look at it just through the lens as an individual member of the Canadian Jewish community. And then I look at it in my professional role as the CEO of a federation. Um, on a personal level, I think that uh, our organizations can express an opinion if something happens in any part of the world, including Israel, that's contrary to our values. Something that I really appreciate about Canada is its liberal approach to uh, human rights, tolerance, uh, freedom of religion. And I think that when events happen in other part of the world that touch other Jews that are contrary to our values in Canada, we should be able to speak out and say, this goes against our values as a community. What do you think, Yaron? But what happens then if you come to uh, the board of different federations, for, for instance, in Canada, and you hear two voices, both of them are very prominent, very clear, and they are just not uh, thinking alike. So now putting my professional cap on, the Canadian Jewish community is also divided on the issue of Israel and what's happening there right now. I don't think that we're united. I think that uh, you know, if Jewish communal organizations speak out on what's happening in Israel and say uh, we are against uh, the judicial reforms or what's happening goes against our values, they risk alienating a segment of the Jewish community also potentially donors. Many of the donors in the Canadian Jewish community are of a different generation. They tend to be older. They tend to be a bit more conservative. But there's a flip side, which is that if the communal organizations don't speak out, they may be seen as irrelevant or not having strong values uh, by younger members of the community. And then those members of the community might not be interested in being part of those organizations. So they risk alienating a segment of the population no matter what they do, which is why I believe that we have to look at what are our values as Canadians and as Jews. And those values should be our North Light and our guiding star. And if something happens anywhere in the world that goes against that, we should speak out against it Um, you know, I noticed that when, um, you know, George Floyd was killed, uh, the Jewish Federations of Canada issued a statement. And that was that was a social justice issue outside of Canada's borders. So it begs the question, when do we comment on events outside of Canada and when don't we? What do you think, Yaron? I think it's a very interesting and sensitive question because the community, as you said, could be divided also in Canada. Not everybody thinks that the uh, the way uh, Israel is going under the current government is the wrong way. There are some people think that the reform is needed and they were looking forward to see the reform being implemented. So I don't know if it's really uh, easy to get a clear voice in any anywhere in the country. But I'll tell you uh, my feeling. I think at the end of the day, this is the same mishpucha, the same family. The Canadian Jews and the Jews in Israel and Jews around the world, we are the same people. And I think in the mishpacha, in the family, 
people should speak openly and express their views. The only thing that we should, I think, we should uh, be aware of that when criticism is heard is a criticism for policy, for a direction, not for the country, not for the state of Israel, but a policy of a current government, of a current parliament, I think it's important not to get into a question of the legitimacy of the state of Israel, because then it crosses the, the line that I think nobody wants to cross uh, in the Jewish, or most of the people in the Jewish world, the vast majority do not want to cross. I think criticism is healthy in an open democratic society, and also a support when it comes to it. It's also important when Israel in a crisis uh, to have some support also is sometimes needed. So I would the bottom line, giving giving the uh, the uh, opportunity to speak up and say what you think openly uh, with no hesitation. Uh, well, another issue that was interesting that Limor and Shai brought up are do Israeli expats living in Canada have more of a right to speak out on this issue than Canadian Jews? What do you think? I think it's, it's equal. I think everyone can speak up. It doesn't matter if uh, they live in Israel before or not. or Because, you know, people, uh, everybody cares uh, about Israel. Either people support the direction or oppose the direction. People care. People can speak up. Either they were born in Israel, they, they grew up in Israel, they live in Canada 10 years, 35 years. I think it's the same. Or born in Canada as uh, Jewish members and like uh, Israel very much, it's it's equal in my eyes. Well, stay tuned to our next three episodes. We're going to be looking at some additional questions that are quite pressing in the Canadian Jewish community. Our next episode is going to focus on how do we balance our domestic philanthropic needs with the needs of Israeli organizations? Then what are Israel's obligations towards diaspora communities? And finally, are your views on Israel represented by our mainstream communal organizations? We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. So please get in touch at israelquestions at the cjn.ca. Until next time. Thank you. I'm Yaron Dekel. I'm Dan Brotman. Thank you for listening. <laughs>